This week's podcast brought to you by Gate Lice. This isn't amus- this isn't an amusing anecdote or uh, or story or story, but uh, it's an idea that you just had prior to this us recording this, and that is to record a, a podcast for the holiday season that would uh, be viewer mail driven. Viewer mail driven questions from from listeners. So if you want to send us an email at ballandchainpod at gmail.com or if you want to send us a question on Twitter um, at ballandchainpod, we will do an entire holiday episode just viewer mail. Do you remember Larry King's Open Phone America? No. Is that what this will be like? It would be like at the end of his nine-hour radio show at um, the Westwood One Radio Network or whatever it was when he would be doing ads for Gold Bond, medicated tooth powder. He would have Open Phone America, and people would call in with, you know, they're, 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 about the time they were visited by aliens or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it was usually on an AM radio at 2 o'clock in the morning that you might have heard in a car or, or in the AM radio next to your bed. Uh, that's what this would be like. That's what we're aiming for. Open Phone America. So send your stuff in. And uh, we'll have fun with it. And now, on to the podcast. I want to hit you with a phrase that I heard this weekend that I've never heard before. And I feel like it's a great description of something. So I'm going to give you the phrase and then you, I want to see if you can figure out what it means. You should have said, I want to hit you, long pause, <laughs> right. with the phrase. Okay, right. hit me with the phrase. This is the phrase, gate lice. Gate lice. Yes. This is like password, gate lice. Yes. Um, I'd been traveling. What, what do you call a single louse that afflicts the founder of Microsoft? <laughs> well, of course, I was talking airport. to someone, yes, and he was asking, how early do you get to the airport? And he's like, "Like, what's perfect? I said, perfect to me is you get there and they're boarding. You don't even have to sit down. You get right on. And he was saying, no, you've got to get there in time because you've got to get on the plane in time to to put your bag up in the overhead and you've got all the gate lice who are hovering around the gate. It's perfect. Gate lice. Gate I like that. Gate lice. I'd never heard that before. And so that was on, this is two trips ago. So yesterday when I was flying and I was just looking as all the people went up to hover around the gate before they were going to board, I can't now get the phrase gate lice out of my brain. Whenever I see that happening now, I will in my head, I will be hearing gate lice repair, gate lice replace, the safe light jingle. Oh, right, right. I don't really know it. You don't know that? No. If your windshield breaks? Our kids know it. Okay, it's, I'm sure they do. Sure I think I know do. it through them, but I also think of gate lice and it's sort of like bed bugs. Yes. Yeah, right. And especially like when, when you're a new parent or a new pet owner, you do have gates like all over your house. So now, hopefully those don't have lice. Now boarding groups one, two, three, four, and uh, finally a gate lice. Gate lice. <laughs> what, what, which boarding group are you? I'm GL. Um, I'm deep GL. Um but yeah, I kind of like that. So I was, I was, been, I've traveled a bit over the course of the, the last week, and um, over the course of the last twelve hours. Over <laughs> the course of the last twelve hours, that too. But last week, going to Duke to call a game, and uh, my first flight, couple hour delay. I'm gonna miss my connection. All right, regroup. My producer and I are both flying out of out of Connecticut, so we get we're gonna get on a direct flight to Charlotte, and then make the two hour drive to Raleigh Durham, and. Um, so we've already had this delay. We've scrambled. We'd have to, had to switch airlines, everything. We're both sitting on, on the plane. I've been upgraded. I'm sitting in first class. She, she's in coach. And, uh, she's not a gate louse though. She's not, no, she's not a gate louse <laughs> and waiting for the plane to push back. And I just see there's, there's some sort of commotion. Cause I can see the flight attendants up in the front of the plane talking about something and just saying, you know, we've got it. We've got an issue. We've got an, you know, we're dealing, a, a guy came up, I think he had left his phone out in the gate area, trying to figure out how he, because he can't get off the plane without his bags, there's all this stuff. And then I just hear this phrase from one of the flight attendants, you know, I'm sorry, but there's a lot going on. We're dealing with a dog right now. We're dealing with a dog. So come to find out, 
Did you find out literally that dog is your co-pilot? <laughs> Somebody had come on the plane with their dog and the dog didn't fit in the in the seat under the seat in front of them. The dog didn't fit. So there's this like the plane's delayed. There's this commotion. What's going to happen? Is this person going to get off the plane? What are they going to do? Please tell me that the, that they that they strapped the dog in and the owner did fit under the seat. <laughs> How great would that have been? Um, so no, what ended up happening was they turned the dog's crate or bag or whatever the heck the dog was in. It didn't fit the way the owner was trying to jam it into his or her seat uh, or the seat in front of him or her. They turned it to the side or whatever, and then it fit. And um, so I find out all of these details because the person with the ill-fitting dog was actually sitting right in front of my producer. So um, anyway, drove to Charlotte or uh, fl- flew to Charlotte, and then and then she and I did the two-hour drive to. Uh, the, the, was this in Durham. first class? I was in first, class. In first the class. The dog right. and my producer were not. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't bring a a, a dog dish with a mimosa in it. Oh, that leads me to my next thing. And, and I hadn't even told you this yet. This kind of blew me away. So on the flight home, there's short flights. I think it was like, um, might have been Durham to DC and then DC home. Anyway, short flight. And this time, my producer and I have both been upgraded. So um, I think we're in the connection now because our first flight's at five something in the morning we land. And now we're on the flight that leaves at like 745 from from DC to get back to Hartford. And it's a short flight, so they're not going to have, you know, beverage service or whatever. But we're, we sit down and the guy comes by, the flight attendant comes by with, with like a tray. And on the tray, he said, would you like water, orange juice, or sparkling wine? And I just looked up at, up at him and I said, do a lot of people take you up on the sparkling wine at, uh, at 7.45 in the morning? He said, you'd be surprised. He said, and I'm only supposed to have water and smart sparkling wine. I added the orange juice in case people want a mixer. 7.45 in the morning. It's the sparkling nature of the wine that makes it okay to drink at 7 in the morning. You would never ask, would you like a glass of wine? To somebody no, who was just woken no, up. No, but if you say sparkling, then then people, I guess, can with the orange juice. It gives you cover. Turn it into a mimosa-like substance. Beverage. Yes, but what airline were we on? United. But United's protocol is to offer sparkling wine and water. But he kindly throws in the OJ. I was going between um, this past weekend. I was going between one of our son's travel basketball games and our daughter's travel basketball game. And they were both away. There wasn't enough time to go home, but it would have been too fast for me to go from one to the other. So I was like, all right, let me just do a quick stop at Target in case there's anything that we need. So I'm just kind of walking around the store and um, and there's this young couple there. I'd say they're maybe in their early to mid twenties. And um, the girl's kind of walking around, the guy's following her. And I just hear the guy say, uh, actually, this is right when we came in. I just hear the guy say to her, um, what do we come here for again? And I was just laughing because I'm thinking, women don't go to Target because they're going there for something. Target's there. Once you get inside the store, that's when you realize why you're there. You, oh, I don't need anything. Oh, but now maybe I do. Uh, I, I can't stand that. And whenever, in the rare occasions that I'm with a kid somewhere like that, I, I always tell them, and they could recite this to you, let's not lose the plot. Right, right. Well, but yes, and that's true. Like I am a plot-driven shopper when I know I have something I need to get. But like in this situation, I didn't, you know. You killing just, time. I'm killing time. You're I a, think a, the girl was killing time too. They were just. You're an aisle louse. <laughs> exactly. I think probably maybe she was walking around hoping he would take the hint if she was like, oh, this is nice. Like, dude, holidays are approaching you know, get me something. So anyway, so this that's what I heard them, him say to her earlier, like right when you walk in the store. So then later on, we're walking around and I'm um, in one of the aisles and I'm going by an aisle and I see that those two are um, are in looking at something. It was some sort of ele- electronics and um, maybe it was a charging cord. I don't know. but um, But I hear her say to the guy, how big is six feet? So I'm guessing the cord said on it, it was six feet or whatever. How big is six feet? And then Did you say it's about uh, the length of two beetles? <laughs> In lots of beetle feet? No. So then I hear the guy say, it's literally as tall as me. 
Literally. It's literally as tall as me. And he like puts his hand up like to, to where his forehead is. And the girl and like only the way uh, a woman can kind of cut down a guy. She looks at him and she goes, you're 5'11". <laughs> like that made all the difference in the world. No. Uh, how big is six feet? No, you're you're five eleven. It just I don't know why that interaction. I found it so funny. I'm because like the, these people are destined to get married right here because the guy has rounded up and considers himself six feet. Of course, as he, as he, well, but still, if you're generally trying to figure out how long a cord is, and a guy's five eleven, he can say it's about as big as me. You know, we were at the UConn game on Sunday. We should talk about that in a minute, and um, Coach Horiyama said, uh, I call him coach, I don't call him that. He wasn't my coach, but um, he said, he happened by us and said, um, well, this is a tall family. Yes, he did. And it got me mentally calculating our total, our total height. And when all is said and done, when the youngest is done growing, she's the only one under six feet at this point, the six of us will be 37 feet tall, which is, as anybody in New England knows, I mean, that's that's its own uh, uh, statistical weight and measure in New England, how or height. Would, it's it's, it's the height. How six it's, of us only be 37 feet tall? Well, six times six feet. Is 36. Yes. Plus, then you add in the extra inches. Oh, the inches. Okay, I gotcha. I, I don't know what you're confused about on the math, but what my point is, is yes. that that is the height of the green monster. At Fenway, thirty-seven feet. Oh, really? Feet. Yes, as you should. You should have been known that growing up here. But, um, but I think it's it's kind of cool that um, that thirty-seven feet is the is the standard is a standard measuring. Uh, you know, when the guy says when she says how how long is six feet? Yeah, it's literally as tall as I am. How tall is thirty-seven feet? I can always picture that. Uh, as the height of the green monster. That's right. And so like, I thought you were going to say that's so, like how you calculate a, the size of a monster. So once you get to 37 feet, you're considered a monster. Well, I think I think that may be, that may be the case also. But if we were to sit on the green monster seats and uh, form like some kind of a human ladder by dropping one of us down, right. held like by the hands and, chain. and other held by the ankles, yeah. the, the, the lowest person, and I, I would volunteer to be the lowest person, uh, could then stand on the warning track. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. We we ha- probably have to factor in. What what do you think our families? Um, what do you think the tallest we will ever be as a family will be? Like, like it'll be the moment our son is done growing and our daughter are done growing. And before and our before shrinking you accelerates. and I start shrinking, yeah, yeah, like. I guess that'll be the moment our, our daughter's done growing and our son are done growing, our youngest too, because you figure we'll probably hold that height for a couple of years and then uh, and then, you know, maybe we will no longer be the height of the green monster. And do you, do you suppose we're the only imbeciles in the world right now calculating the total length of their of their family, the total perhaps we can also all get on like like a, a, a truck scale also and see how much we collectively weigh. Wouldn't that be so much better of what? a word problem though? And like then the ridiculous stuff that's on that's in books or on tests. Yeah, how much better if it would be? If it was like we want you to go home and like do the sum total of your your family's but, you height. Know, I think a better question than when will we be at our maximum length as a family is is when will we we be at our maximum weight as a family. Well, that's an interesting one too. It, it will be after we're at our maximum height. Oh, of course, but and it'll, it'll really all depend on how long you and I live, and and like how broad, probably our son, how how broad he ends up in you know his twenties and thirties. This is an absurd. <laughs> it's an absurd thing that. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, but but anyway, I introduced the subject of Sunday's UConn game against Notre Dame, at the end of which. Paige Becker's got injured, and it turns out today she's out for six to eight weeks. So, you should probably address that. Well, um, well, first it was a, it, the reason we were there. They were unveiling a monument to all of the um, UConn Olympians. There's 50 um, uh, Olympians who are former UConn student athletes, and um, 
And so that's why we were there. And and they had this really lovely ceremony um, before, about an hour before the game started. Um, I was kind of laughing because they, they also had a nice reception, like a brunch in the morning, eggs and sausage and bacon and that sort of thing. And some of our kids ate. And as we're walking away from that to go to the unveiling of the monument, our youngest said, you know, then are we going to the game after this? I said, no, we're going to go to the monument and then you guys are going to come back um, here where the food is. And she just said, are they going to have different food? <laughs> and I said, what was wrong with the food? She's like, she said, well, I was kind of hoping for donuts. So, um, so anyway, the, the, one, of the, one of the funniest things that happened in the entire day was um, we're at this little brunch ahead of time, and I didn't know Sue Bird was going to be there. And um, by and the way, it was a lovely lay, uh, layout, but donuts in the uh, form of the Olympic rings. That yeah, that's true. That, that would have been, been pretty sweet. Um, so Megan Rapino was there too, and and our our eleven year old um, is a big Megan Rapino fan. She asked for a Rapino jersey for her birthday, which she got. Um, she's never met Megan, but. Just a big fan. And our youngest shares a birthday with Sue. And um, so Megan, anyway, was aware of our our youngest. And uh, so they're in the room. And Megan sees our youngest and comes over and is like, give me a hug. And she gave, she gave our daughter a big hug. And our daughter was just so sort of... I don't know if she was shell shocked. I don't know what she was. I think I think you know in her mind, like a cartoon character out of a, off of the TV or out of a book, had kind of leapt off the page yeah. and was now, you know, real. It's kind of like when a when a Disney character hugs you at, at right, Disneyland. Right, right. Yeah, that is true, and especially with like the the pink hair and the whole thing. And Megan did have on kind of a fluffy sweater, much like those Disney characters might wear. Um, but it was it was a visual I'll never forget because our our daughter was just <laughs> it was just so funny. Megan's like, it's okay, you can hug me. Back. I later said she was like a statue, but she but but our youngest objected strongly. I wasn't like a statue. I did this, and she sort of gave me a, a like the tap little, on the rib cage, yeah. like the little fish arm things yeah. at the bottom. So um, so we go out to this monument unveiling, and um, you know they have a ceremony, and they they have it draped with like this black cloth. And um, as I'm, and the, you know, so after they speak and they're going to unveil this, just pull this black cloth off. I said to the athletic director, director I said, I hope this goes better than when you uh, <laughs> uncover banners <laughs> because at UConn, it's they're notorious. Anytime they uncover any kind of a banner, whether it's a national championship banner or when they retired my jersey, which the in banner. fairness are in the rafters a million oh, miles yeah. away, and they requires a system of cables and pulleys, a medieval. But, uh, uh, trust system it it always gets messed up it's almost never smooth and um and when they when when they did my banner we we're just standing there and that got messed up and coach i just remember coach Raymond being like you'd think after all the times we've done this they would have it right by now um but it was a lovely ceremony jennifer rosati was there swin cash was there asia jones stephanie dolson um carol walters sue um it was you know J- J- oh. And those were just basketball players. Yeah, there were some, other yes. And, and then there were Paralympians there. Um, Andy Bissett, who was a track and field athlete, was one of the people who was really behind um, getting the monument, uh, getting getting it done. And um, so then, so then we get to uh, to go to the basketball game. So we're watching the game. It was a great game. Notre Dame is is much much improved. A very good basketball team. And um, one of my one of the things that was making me laugh was. There was a couple illegal screens called on UConn's um, post players, setting screens like up at the free throw line area. And it happened twice. And both times, Stephanie Dolson, who was sitting like two rows behind me, would yell like, no way, that's a terrible call or anything like that. Because anybody who watches women's basketball, watch Stephanie play in the WNBA finals or any point this season or any point in her career, she's a great screener. She gets called for a ton of illegal screens. So it just every time she would yell about a big player getting an illegal screen called on them, it would make me laugh. Um, anyway, it's like the, all politics is local. You watch what everybody sees, you know, a different game as they're watching it. Of course. And um, very end of the game, we were sitting right behind the UConn bench and less than a minute to go. And Paige Beckers is dribbling the ball up the floor and you see her just crumble and go down a non-contact injury. And um you know, we were right there when they bring her over and sit her on the bench. And I see the, the trainer kind of doing the ACL test and you see the look on her face. And so um, 
I, you know, just watching it from there, I had I was had, had assumed until today that it was a season-ending injury and that it would have been an ACL injury, but that's not the case. Um, she has a fracture in her is it her tibia, I believe. Um, so she's out six to eight weeks, but obviously that's that's devastating for UConn. Um, I'm doing two of their games this week. I'm doing their coming game on Thursday at Georgia Tech, and then they have a game on Thursday against UCLA. Saturday. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Saturday against UCLA. It's a doubleheader with the men's team, but it's in um, in Newark. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they function without her, and especially since Az Fudd, um, their star freshman, um, is out now as well for a couple of weeks with a stress reaction. So, um, and then yesterday I flew down to South Carolina, Columbia, and got to do a media day with the, the Gamecocks. Um, interviewed Don Staley, did some fun stuff with the players. And um, I really enjoyed that, um, you know, especially with COVID last year. I haven't had much time to be around their players, uh, Ilya Boston a little bit, but not the others. And um, man, they're really, really good. South Carolina is really, really good. And um, anyway, it's just it's fun after you've covered kids to actually then get to interact with them and have conversations with them. And I did that yesterday and I really enjoyed that. Well, we have a special treat this week for Ball and Chain viewers, and that is a uh a shortened version of the podcast. So uh, uh, I'm going to have to get, we have voluminous viewer mail as also, but I'm going to have to get to it because then I have to get to uh, school to pick up uh, two of our kids. So are you ready for that, Rebecca? I'm ready. Shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get there. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. First one comes from Tim in Kansas. Tim writes, on last week's pod, Greg from Maine mentioned the hockey chant of Civ set up by the preamble of first hearing it in Edina. And of course, at his school in Maine, they, they've been told to chant Colander instead. Right. right? Uh, I was 100% sure he was going to say the Edina chant that they always used when they were l- losing to my high school, Armstrong, was, that's all right. That's okay. You will work for us one day. Mm, yes. Sounds like uh, something that they may have chanted. Yes. Edina fans may have chanted in, in the I think back that, in the day or even currently. That may have been a, a big chant too. Like my brother played basketball at Dartmouth and anytime they were playing games outside of the Ivy League and may have been losing, I think that may have been a Dartmouth student cheer as well. Now that's offensive, writes Tim. I certainly hope some colander level alternative has been developed by now. Well, that, that would be an interesting thing to contemplate. That's all right. That's okay. We will all... Um, work in harmony someday. We'll be colleagues one day. Yeah. Kevin in Wisconsin writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I used the morning of my vacation day today to complete my youngest child's fourth FAFSA. Ugh. Now, for those who, who are new to, to the podcast, FAFSA is the financial aid application for colleges. And you to, cannot apply to a college without filling it out. Sometimes you cannot be accepted to a college without filling out this huge financial aid form. Unfortunately, writes Kevin, she is in a six-year, all six in oh. all caps, six-year physical therapy program. Ah, all caps, exclamation marks. One suggestion, create a spreadsheet to record all of the non-income... Te- oh, now you're talking Rebecca's language, Kevin. Let's hear it. Uh, you had her at create a spreadsheet. Let me hear about the spreadsheet. If it has to do with passwords, I'm all in as well. Let's hear it. Create a spreadsheet to record all of the non-income tax form information, totaling them up for the various fields you need to fill in. It makes it really easy to total up before you even log into the FAFSA website. It took me until my oldest child's senior year, the youngest's freshman year, to think of this. The last three have gone much easier. Rebecca, I don't think you've I don't think I've seen you this excited since somebody told you to remove all of the, the caps from the uh, from the tire oh, when I put tire valves tire. before you put air in the tire. Once the clock starts ticking on the tire yeah. thing at the gas station, which I just did the other day, by the way, and, and I removed all the caps first. Uh, it was it's it a was great genius. System, yeah. What do you think of uh, Kevin's uh, fourth FAFSA? Is his uh, email? I here. have to admit to Kevin that. Um, I asked when I was completely lost and the form was due the next day, I just emailed our accountant and said, because we don't prepare our own taxes, weren't you and I are not very good at that. And he sent me a form that had stuff like filled in so I would know where to put it. it I've still found it to be a gigantic pain in the tushy. 
the the frustration of the FAFSA. I mentioned, um, you know, there's one school that said, you know, also then asked what kind of car you drive. And so I filled in, you know, the Honda Odyssey. That same school highly recommends, highly recommends that the person applying um, has an in-person interview. And when our daughter went to schedule the interview, all of the slots are full. We highly recommend, that's in quotes, that you have an interview, but we don't have slots. Do you think it's some kind, of a, some kind of a hazing that, that they're seeing how much nonsense one is willing to put up with? I don't know, but it's starting to feel that way. Well, you got to narrow down your choices somehow, and this is a good way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, Ralph in Maryland uh, mentions uh, that uh, it may be part of the documentary. It, it isn't. This is the Beatles documentary he's referring to. But Sir Paul used his own name originally when writing the song Eleanor Rigby, but then looked in the phone book and decided on McKenzie instead. So Father McKenzie was originally Father McCartney in the song Eleanor Rigby. Uh, he thought using McCartney might upset his actual father. Uh, the Beatles documentary, while riding the exercise bike, I started watching the first episode again, and I'm not sure that that I will watch it all the way through again, but I am picking up things that I, I didn't notice you before. Are. Um, but my, 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 yeah, I, people in the background, and, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's a long slog, eight hours, and uh, but I do so miss the Beatles. So are you going to slog through it? At, I don't think this, so. Like I could see watching it again in a year or even six months or something. It seems a little bit soon to already be just ro- do a second lap as soon as you finish yeah. the first lap. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. So I'll, I'll try to rein that in. Uh, my best to Becky Hammond writes Ralph. She's uh, she's your um, uh, a partner on the T-shirt that I got at the Barclays Center. Mm-hmm. Um, your son may have found that part of the T-shirt more interesting. Becky Hammond on the T-shirt, it looks exactly like Becky Hammond, or at least very much like Becky Hammond. The the one of me, not who, quite who, as close. Who, who do you look like on the T-shirt? Do we know? I don't know. It's better decided? than the bobblehead that they had years ago bobblehead, at the Connecticut Sun. The bobblehead that they had for the Connecticut Sun, we, we're, we're certain, was made from uh, surplus warehoused Tom Seaver bobbleheads. Yes, yes, for sure. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know yet who the... Uh, who this t-shirt looks like. We'll have to figure that out. Sir Lewis Hamilton has to race in Saudi Arabia this weekend, writes Ralph. That is all I know about Formula One. I'm hoping. I mean, it was a, it was a, a uh, action-packed, controversial-filled uh, race in Saudi Arabia. Controversial-filled? Controversy-filled, yes. Controversy-filled, yes. Yes, it was also uh, poorly, poorly grammar-filled. So Claire, this is Claire with an A-I-R-E. Hello, Claire. As opposed to an A-R-E. Claire writes, hi, Rebecca and Steve. I just found your podcast about eight months ago, so I'm nowhere near a completionist. Every episode has made me smile or laugh so far, though, so maybe I should consider it. My real reason, now now think of, you know, I'm watching the Beatles documentary again. Mm-hmm. What do we get? Do you think we'll ever get a double completionist? Oh, I hope Goes not. through a second lap? I don't think so. That would have to be somebody who's... Uh, Who's, who's not, on a long, long journey in a car, or 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 a long, long journey in a in a in a small cell with only a right with only the ball and chain podcast as company. I think you you're allowed to listen to podcasts in prison. Um, I was I can't imagine why not. I don't know. Do you have devices in prison, like listening devices? <laughs> Do you have a listening device? Is like, this you know, like is the Soviet Union? Like speakers or a, like, I assume you don't have a phone. Well, you know what? If somebody is in prison with well, a listening device, works in prison. if someone is in prison with a listening <laughs> device, a phone, and access the podcast, perhaps they'll write in and tell and us. Maybe they'll send a, an email yeah, to, to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Uh, my real reason for writing is actually to pick the audience's brain. Uh, we just moved to Minneapolis this fall. Ah, Congratulations, Claire. And we're thrilled when we heard the Women's Final Four would be held here. We have been looking at buying tickets, but have only seen two options for sale. One, poor visibility seats in the upper-level corners. Or two, good seats that come with a lot of VIP extras that we don't want. Do you, maybe Rebecca, or any of your listeners know the ins and outs of purchasing regular tickets that have a good view? Thanks for putting the podcast out there weekly, Claire. Uh, great question, because this these are oftentimes the... the uh, not just at the women's final four, but the two tickets that are available, terrible seats or wildly expensive courtside seats that come with uh, things that nobody wants. So one of like the- a, like a Hawaiian luau 
and a meet and greet with the band. One one of the tricks is, um, of course, you want your tickets in advance, but if you can wait until the teams make the final four, then usually each team puts some for sale to their their own fans. And if there's a Cinderella team or there's a team that's kind of far away or whatever, you might be able to buy some of the tickets through their their pool of tickets. Second thing is, after the semifinals, if you just wanted to go to the national championship game, after the semifinals, when two teams lose, many of the people, many of the people come to the game, but many of the people go home early or don't go to the game and then will put the second session up for sale. And um, and that's a way, because the, the each team's tickets are pretty decent seats. They're behind the be- their bench. So um, that's a way to get decent tickets as well but you don't have them in advance so it's it's a might be a little disconcerting because you're not certain you're going to get them but um but it's one way to do it our next email comes from perhaps the real perhaps the fictional we don't know if he really exists michael in higashi kitazawa in in tokyo i think you're the one who questioned his existence i mean some somebody exists i i believe there is a michael he, he may just Higashi be. Kitazawa. He may just be a, a very lyrical, clever spam bot. Could be. Oh, he's not. Dear Stephen, Rebecca, greetings from. And here's a photograph of Michael pointing at the Higashi Kitazawa uh, Underground Station sign in Tokyo. Yes, I actually do live in Higashi Kitazawa. As always, I hope this finds you both well, Rebecca. Michael looks exactly as I would have imagined a real Michael to look. Yeah. All right, Michael. Yay. So that's settled. I, uh, we'll accept that as proof of life. And uh, and here's an attempt, writes Michael, at an all-encompassing holiday jingle to merrily send us off into Christmas and 2022. First of all, thanks for the photo from uh, from Tokyo. It makes me feel like uh, you know we're all part of the same crazy world, Rebecca. Ready? Mm-hmm. At Halloween, we trick-or-treat for something sweet. Then we gobble till we wobble-wobble. Next, we ho-ho-ho neath the mistletoe, and then we count down the ball without the chain and watch it fall. Please keep happy and healthy. I remain Michael. Well done, Michael, as always. As always. The, uh, the, the ball drop without the chain, but the ball needs the chain uh, to make sure its drop isn't too precipitous, Rebecca. That's a... Uh... That should be his mic drop after that particular line. Uh, now we have um, John, our Cape Cod correspondent, writes, Greetings from your Cape Cod correspondent. I just spent a delightful hour and a half catching up on your two latest podcasts. Alas, I am not a completionist, but I am a faithful listener and have caught all of them since I started listening back in late 2019. I guess that makes me a regularist. Mm. I like that. Per usual, you ticked my funny, tickled my funny bone a few times and I offer the following thoughts and observations. One, in numerical form here, Rebecca. Although it's a few years since our family had to struggle with it, I share Rebecca's frustrations with the FAFSA forms and their deep dives into our personal finances. I was particularly annoyed by those colleges who felt they were so special they had to have their own addendum of questions or were still wouldn't accept the FAFSA and had their own separate application altogether. That said, my only advice is that once you finally do start receiving offers from colleges for your children's attendance, make sure you negotiate. Their first offer is never their best, and you can definitely play one of one off the other to get the best deal possible at your kid's best choice. Once you say yes to them, they've got you. But until you do, you have at least a little bit of leverage. Kind of like uh, your cable package, Rebecca. If you just tell them, I'd rather not spend this much money, they say, oh, well, then spend less. Right. Like And like the cable package, it's going to be, I'm sure, in yearly negotiation. Yes. See, I'm guessing this, this, this negotiation will be left to me. I wonder if there are people who like who are consultants for this. Like if you can hire somebody to be your your college negotiator, there's probably something ridiculous like that that if exists. If not, perhaps there should be. Oh, perhaps. Two, I smiled when you mentioned Dr. Hook and Sylvia's mother back in the days of cassette recorders. One of the first recordings I made was of the popular songs of the time, including Sylvia's mother. Fortunately, my musical tastes have matured a bit since then. I remember recording it on my dad's very sophisticated Longines Symphonette. What a great name, Longines Symphonette. Uh, if I recall correctly, it didn't even play back music stereo, but it was the epitome of high fidelity as far as I was concerned. I think the Longines Symphonette is mentioned in 
the song Birdhouse in Your Soul by They Might Be Giants. I'll have to check that. Remind me to check that before the end of this podcast. All right. Like the Longines Symphonette. Uh, my most vivid memory of the cassette is that after I'd had it for a bit, I went to listen to it and found that my sister had dubbed over the beginning of each song with her own play-by-play introductions. I, of course, was incensed as it ruined the purity of the music. We've certainly come a long way since then, both in terms of musical fidelity and maturity. Did you ever do that, Rebecca? You record songs off the radio on cassette. I'm sure you did that. Mm-hmm. And then would you ever try to you know, introduce like them as the DJ? DJ? No. And hit that, boom, You know, talk over the, the music and then hit the thing right before they start singing. I've never done that, but I do have this memory, and I may have already shared this story, but I have a memory of, um, I love the song Sister Christian by Night Ranger when I was a kid, and waiting and waiting and waiting on the top 40 or whatever it was, and when it finally came on, you know, pressing the record and play at the same time so I could record it on my cassette, finally got it, would listen to it in my Walkman, and I remember on a trip to my grandparents listening to it and we were staying over at my grandparents and I don't know what happened. I was probably, I don't know, sixth grade, my sister in eighth grade. I don't know what happened. My sister got mad at me and she threw the tape across the room and it broke. And the time that went into waiting and recording and so I could listen to that song whenever I wanted to, oh, devastating. My sister and I got along like really well when we were kids too, but man, I remember that. 30 years later, it's still with you. Yeah. The the scars, the wounds are still fresh. I can picture in my brain where we were in my grandparents' house when she broke that cassette tape. By the way, they might be giants. My story's infinite, like the Longines Symphonette, It Doesn't Rest. That's Birdhouse in Your Soul, a great song by the great band. Uh, They might be giants. Our kids love uh, their version of Istanbul was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. Mm-hmm. So if you have a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. Uh, three, regarding your discussion on relative heights, I find it always tricky when you ask someone else to describe another person and they say the person is tall, short, large, small, etc. For example, I'm 6'2", so like the children in Lake Wobegon, I am above average, at least in terms of height. But if I'm talking to Jane, his wife, who is 5'7", her perspective on someone's height is going to be very different than if I'm talking to my nephew Brian, who is 6'8". Likewise, if you're describing the size of hard-hitting NFL safety, who are often about my size and relatively large for a human being, they would look much smaller in comparison to an offensive lineman such as Trent Brown, who tips the scales around 400 pounds. Your brother came over today before work in a uh, shirt and tie, and uh, he's 6'11". He is. And before putting on his judge's robes, which are also, well, I don't know if they're 6'11", but if he hangs those on the on the hook on the door, they... They, they, they must they, they, cascade like like like, 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 a, like a bridal... Like a bride's train, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, everything we're, we're everything's relative. And then and then to uh, to your brother, six eleven, Manute Bowl was eight inches taller than him. So you're right. For almost everybody, it's relative in that way. Three, reg- uh, four. Like Steve, Jane and I were very interested in the Beatles special. We have listened to the first of the three episodes of Get Back and are very much looking forward to the rest of it. We too were struck by the creativity and the speed with which they developed songs. George mentioned, "Here's the song I made up last night." I me mine, and by the end of that same day, they had it pretty well figured out. Another amazing part of that is is um, that I me mine segment. But all of them, you know, they 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 created these songs as if punching a clock. We come in in the morning, we break for lunch, we sometimes record it that afternoon, and um, it's been inspiring just as a as a person and as a writer to you know continue sitting down and and being. Uh, present in case, you know, inspiration strikes, but not waiting for inspiration, sitting down and trying to, you know, make it happen. Mm -hmm. So the results aren't, are never as good as uh, anything that the Beatles produced, but, um, but we do our best as, as he says, everything is relative here. Finally, I'm an avid golfer and have always heard the putts break toward the water trope. I guess I never really put much stock in it and try to read the greens based on their undulations and pitch. Unfortunately, however, water on the course does tend to have a major effect on my game. The truth is I generally don't have a lot of trouble once I'm on the green, but if there's water between the tee and green, I invariably seem to find a way to visit it. As always, thank you for entertaining podcasts and best wishes to the Russian Lobo families for a wonderful holiday season. John, thank you, John. Same to you and Jane, his wife. Um... Uh, that that's a lovely phrase in there. Their undulations and pitch. Yeah. He reads greens based on their undulations and pitch. Mm-hmm. Something that might have applied to um, his previous point about the Beatles as well. 
Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Steve, our correspondent from in and around the northern suburbs. He's expanded his territory. Uh, Greetings from the Twin Cities, where, as I composed this on Monday evening, the temperature outside is an absurd four degrees. Mm. At least it's above zero as opposed to below zero, but here's hoping that this is merely an early season anomaly and not a harbinger of a cold winter ahead. I enjoyed your discussion last week about the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary. It's on my list for holiday viewing, and I'm looking forward to it. Steve, as a Steely Dan fan, you may also enjoy Steely Dan Asia. It's a few years old, but it has archival footage and brings you through the making of the album. It's only an hour or so long, but full of interesting tidbits and certainly worth it. I actually uh, have watched that, uh, Steve. Thank you. It, it is worth it. And, and I've since um, been corresponding with a gentleman named Don Breithaupt, who wrote the 33 and a third book about the make about Steely Dan's Asia, that great album, and he interviewed Donald Fagan for it. I think it came out uh, some years ago, but but uh, Don just called my attention to it. I read it. It's fantastic. He's also written a couple of books on pop music in the 70s, which are great as well. Um, I'll get those titles and, and describe them uh, maybe next week. Finally, as if to apply a cooling balm to the pain of the Vikings lost to the Detroit Lions yesterday, writes Steve. Now, Rebecca, I don't know if you're aware you were uh, on the Sunday that we were at the UConn game, the Detroit Lions, who were 0-10-1, and winless mm-hmm. in their last 15 games dating oh, no. back to last Did season. They beat the Vikings? On the last play of the game, on a, this never happens, this kind of buzzer beater. They had fourth and 12, they had fourth down on the 12-yard line, four seconds left, and had to throw a pass into the end zone. They completed it. Uh, they won, and the um, place went crazy. It was actually uh, kind of moving because you know, it was in Detroit, and they hadn't won in forever. Uh, uh, we, As a balm to that, though, we learned that both Jim Cott and Tony Oliva had finally been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So two uh, twins greats of the 60s and 70s, Jim Cott and Tony Oliva, um, went to the Hall of Fame. I was always more of a football fan growing up, but it was Jim Cott's color commentary during the Twins' 1987 playoff run that piqued my interest in baseball, right, Steve? His explanations of the nuances opened my eyes to subtleties of strategy that I never knew existed and made me a fan. As for Mr. Oliva, through mutual friends, I have gotten to know him and even had the honor of sitting with him at Target Field for a Twins-Yankees game. I challenge anyone to find a kinder, more gentle man. He exudes gratitude, class, and kindness at all times, to be sure, a terrific honor for the Twins community. And these two men, Steve, did you have occasion to interview either of bo- or both of these men in your career? I've met Tony Oliva. He's a he's uh, f- lived in Bloomington since his playing days with the Twins, uh, still lives there. And um, and I've, I've interviewed Jim Cott on a number of occasions, most recently this year, when I wrote uh, a piece for Sports Illustrated on uh, the the pitchers will no longer hit as of next year and he was uh he was took as much pride in at least attempting to hit as uh, he seemed to take in pitching and um you know he told me he, he he belongs to the same golf course golf club in florida as bill parcells who was also a former uh, uh baseball high school baseball pitcher and um and um it, it, but but Jim Cott is also a great ambidextrous golfer, and I and I did a column on him once. Uh, he plays left-handed, plays right-handed, play, switches, uh, will play against himself, left-handed and right-handed. You know, in the course of a round, maybe our greatest ambidextrous golfer. But what I loved most, from a Twin Cities perspective, is he, uh, back in his Twins playing days, would play golf with Vikings place kicker Fred Cox at Minnesota Valley in Bloomington. So I suggested this week when Oliva. Uh, of Bloomington and Jim Cott, who used to live in Burnsville, were elected to the Hall of Fame uh, on Sunday. That uh, they hold the, uh, the the induction ceremony not in Cooperstown, but at, at David Fong's on Lindale Avenue in Bloomington. It would be a nice, convenient uh, location for that. So, once again, wishing you both and all of the BNC community a wonderful and safe holiday season. Thank you, Steve. Until next time, he writes. While still measuring liquids and containers meant for powders, I remain Steve, your correspondent corresponding from in and around the northern suburbs. Thank you, Steve. Hi, guys, writes Deb. Uh, I'm a completionist and loyal loyal weekly viewer slash listener. It's been a while since I've emailed, but recently, recent activity has prompted me to jump back into the participation. In DGS style, she writes, I'll enumerate. Mm. One, felt banners at my high school were taken down during renovations. After almost three years of bare walls in the new gym and many emails, the old banners have been transformed to new nylon banners to match the current athletic milestones. I'm still not sure where the old ones ended up. Maybe they're still at home dr- at some dry cleaner, 
but seeing my team's 1980 basketball championship banner, among many others, back on the wall is gratifying. I mean, you know, 41 years later, you still want to see it there. Probably more than ever, right? Of course you do, yeah. Two, I recently took a Rhine River cruise vacation with my husband, our daughter, and my mom, my 82-year-old mom's bucket list, and took my autographed swag along. The attached photo is in a German brewery where we had samples of the local brew with some potato pancakes and applesauce. I should have taken more photos with the swag. It was a fabulous trip. It sounds like a fabulous trip. And here, Rebecca, is uh, uh, ball and chain uh, coasters being used in a uh, German beer hall. Um, not as a coaster, ironically enough, but but just leaning up against the glass for photographic purposes. I love it. Looks pretty. And, and that I can attest that is your authentic signature because it's it's barely legible. So Deb, thank you for sending the pictures. Uh, three. Uh, I was at the UConn Notre Dame game on Sunday. Seeing all of the UConn Olympians recognized was absolutely awesome. Rebecca, I know you feel felt the husky love. Your smile was contagious. I was let's hope not literally, Rebecca. You were you were masked. I was on the opposite side of Gample. Steve, you and the kids appeared impressed with the halftime show and maybe ready to train Kasha to be a frisbee dog. It's incredible that you would say that, Deb. Uh, honestly, honestly, so the halftime show was a frisbee dog. More than one frisbee dog, actually. And the owner, Jonathan, or the trainer, Jonathan. And we were talking with, the kids and I were talking about, I said, we need to train Kasha to do this and bring in a little, this time she brings in a little uh, ancillary income mm-hmm. to the household, right? Or even if we could train her to do that with the newspaper instead of just leaving it all over ours and our neighbor's yards. That was actually a topic of conversation, Deb. That was, as always, she writes, an impressive display. P.S. Rebecca, my daughter was Jen's manager at UHart for four years. Seeing you two next to each other was fantastic for us. Um, can I just add to Jonathan, that husky dog was there, the actual Jonathan, not the person in the outfit, yeah. but the dog. Our daughter, our youngest, loves um, loves Jonathan, the husky dog. She loves looking at pictures, his Instagram feed. And um, this year, even, she asked for Christmas, do you think I'll be able to meet Jonathan, the husky dog? And so he was there. She got to meet him. She actually was very much um, statue-like with him in the picture, like she was um, getting the hug from Megan. think, like, it was just way too Overwhelming, much. Yeah. You know, Megan Rapino and Jonathan, the husky. Like, how does it get better than that? Four, we're actually awaiting news on Paige's knee. We got that today. Our hearts broke along with everyone else when she went down. Five, FAFSA is a royal pain in the butt. The good news is it'll be easier after the first one. My best wishes for the rest of the process. Uh, Six, one last thing. I'm Switzerland in many arguments. A, wet and dry measures are distinctively different. They measure the same, but ease of use is different. I'm with Rebecca there. Ease of use, that's 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 a good way to... I thought to, this uh, was settled case law, as they no, say I, in, in jurisprudence. No, but we never used the phrase ease of use, and she's absolutely okay. right. That's, that also, that's the difference. That also sounds like a legal phrase it that does, you'll be yeah. using as and all, And it also sounds like, like a point of, point of emphasis in women's college right. basketball. B, however, I'm Steve, I'm Team Steve on the crust cutting for sandwiches. Cutting after is the way to go. Thanks for the weekly entertainment. You're a faithful listener. Deb, Deb, thank you. Thank you for the... Ease the, of uh, use is like freedom of movement. That's why it sounds like a buzzword for. And what is for, freedom of movement? You're required oh, to have it in. It's uh, it's in it's for years has been a point of emphasis in in all levels of basketball. Freedom of movement. You shouldn't be able to like bump and push somebody, an offensive player. They should be able to without the basketball, cut from point A to point B. Uh, Laura writes, "Hello, Rebecca and Steve. Catching up on the last few podcasts. The last two days got behind because of family stuff, and then Thanksgiving. But I can." Got behind because of family stuff and then stuffing the family (laughs) with stuffing. But I can claim completionist status once again. Next time anyone in your family has a sore throat or cold, writes Laura, get a medicine ball from Starbucks. Capital M, capital B, get a medicine ball from, do you know what that is, Rebecca? I I know Holly Rowe has gotten them before. It's a drink at Starbucks, maybe tea. Does she say what's in it? Or have lemonade, peach tea, mint tea, and honey and make your own. It truly is the bomb when you're feeling icky. Here is the make-at-home recipe, and and there is indeed a make-at-home recipe. Um, and it's a copycat Starbucks medicine ball recipe. It's um, and it's exactly as she describes what's in it. So, um, well, let's set that aside because uh, you had your booster shot today, your Moder- Moderna booster shot. Yeah. So tomorrow I might need to make you a medicine ball or two. You might have to the medicine ball and chain. We could call it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I did have my booster today and I'm, I'm just awaiting, uh, the fever, but uh, 
the fever for the flavor of a Pringle. Mm-hmm. Finally, and, and, and I apologize. I promised you a short a podcast. You did. But while I was reading Viewer Mail, our daughter texted me and said she had a ride home from school. So, um, so we have that going for us. Finally, Rebecca. Finally. DGS. Hi, Dr. Gary Siegel. Dr. Gary Siegel uh, warns us in advance. Lengthy report from the Southern Correspondent. Well, of course he warns us in advance. You can only warn somebody in advance. Mm-hmm. Well, at least it's the only useful kind of warning. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Siegel, I hope that you and your family are getting into the holiday spirit, and I suspect that each Russian child is counting down the days before Christmas break and perhaps a well-deserved vacation for all. Well, you're right on both counts. We were, just prior to recording this, we were trying to untangle a gigantic ball of Christmas lights. You were trying to plug in Christmas lights. You were trying. I succeeded. Yeah, that's true. I was trying. I came in at the end and got it done. And the kids are literally counting down the days on the Christmas countdown calendar. Um, I take note of, perhaps along with other correspondents, I take note of certain things discussed in the podcast as well as the normal quotidian events of daily life and keep track of them in a draft email for the podcast, normally sent on Sundays or Mondays. Thus, while I've started this report on Sunday, I'll not send it until Monday night or late or even Tuesday morning early in order to correctly tally the number of babies delivered through Tuesday morning before the next podcast is recorded. Do you suppose he has an Excel spreadsheet for that, Rebecca? It wouldn't surprise me. I apologize in advance to those viewers who do not follow Formula One as this week's race was complex and thus this note is a bit longer than I would have liked it to have been because I am somewhat obsessive and compulsive, lacking, however, a true diagnosis of OCD. I'll present items in list form to it. One, it's not OCD, it's CDO. The condition itself demands alphabetization. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, two, and, and, and I knew Dr. Siegel was going to be, uh, was going to enlighten us about this week's Formula One race because I've only read uh, headlines and brief, uh, stories about the, the machinations, uh, of this, but it was, it was controversial and, and, uh, jam-packed. Two, Michael in Japan is a clever and welcome correspondent. Those who write with humorous stories or wordplay are especially gifted, and Steve seems to have an encyclopedic memory of trivia facts of all sorts and likely a photographic memory as well. I have certainly don't have a photographic memory. Uh, I, I have an encyclopedic memory uh, of only those facts and trivia, which which is of no use to anybody. I wish I had an encyclopedic uh, knowledge, Rebecca, of where things were around the house. And I wonder what it would be called because... Um, there are no more encyclopedias. Like a photographic memory I wish you had whatever the version would be of somebody who hears something and then remembers it forever. What would that be? Not photographic, but Archival? audiographic. Uh, I, I don't know. But I wish you had that. I wish you had that for like 10 minutes that at one, a time. You wish like I, had, you I, wish, I would say something you, you and you'd remember it you 10 minutes I, later. You wish I had a permanent memory for 10 minutes at a time? Well, you know what I mean. Like when you heard something. Like one, in particular, when I'm speaking, if you heard it and remembered it ten minutes later, that would help. It would be helpful. I, it would I agree be helpful with that. to both if, of us. If I heard it the first children. time, <laughs> oftentimes when I don't remember something ten minutes later, because I, was, you I wasn't listening, listening the first yeah, time. Yeah, true. In, in fairness to me. Uh, three, speaking of treasures, I was listening to the podcast Thursday night while traveling home from Savannah, Georgia. I stopped at a favorite giant gas station slash store with clean and numerous facilities, and while using said facilities. I heard a treasured voice in the TVs playing in the men's loo. I didn't need to look up to know that my favorite women's NCAA color commentary was working, but I was a bit sad to see that she was calling a game where Iowa was playing Duke as a much better campus is only around 10 miles west of Durham. That said, it was a pleasure to hear Rebecca's voice both in the car and in the potty. Additionally, as I type... (laughs) Additionally, there was a TV... I heard a treasured voice on the TVs playing in the men's loo. I mean, that is an impressive gas station bathroom. Can I, uh, that is true. I'm going to throw this in there. I'm flying home on that same flight home from Duke where they were serving the um, sparkling wine. And uh, we're landing in Hartford and I stand up and a guy stands up behind me and he said, um, he's like, were you covering a women's basketball game? I said, yes. And he said, or he said, uh, how was, how's women's basketball season going? I said, good. And he said, last night I was watching um, Duke, Iowa game. And I said, uh, by any chance, were you listening? And he said, no, I, was, uh, I wasn't. And I said, were you well, muted? I said, if you were, <laughs> you would have heard me. And he said, oh, I, I was out to dinner. It was like on a, on a TV right. at a sports bar or something. So I didn't have sound. 
Four, while the children and grandchildren visited over Thanksgiving, we watched parts of The Beatles Get Back after the little ones were asleep. I hope to become a completionist for that series. I did not make any observations regarding the height of any of the major players in the documentary, but I was fascinated with the behind-the-scenes dialogue and also the reminder of what the world was like in the late 60s. That's another great thing of it. You know, just the the, the coffee mugs and the the fashions, of course, which were sort of heightened because they were the Beatles. So they were wearing, you know, they looked like... Uh, uh, birds of paradise with these crazy feathered jackets and stuff but anyway five can we re can we revisit asked dr siegel can we re revisit dongles previously covered likely before the pandemic while i don't listen to music in most surgeries there are a few circumstances in which i do have music on in the background while working one clinic has older speakers with a 3.5 millimeter earphone mail jack and they require a special dongle in order to play music from my iphone so his mail jack requires a dongle hmm. Uh, Friday last, my dongle malfunctioned, and it was good fortune that one of the me medical assistants happened to have her own dongle, so the day went on swimmingly. Perhaps another viewer can reference the podcast in which dongles were discussed. For the edification of our hosts attached, please find a picture of said dongle. How long has dongle been a word, um, like, in the dictionary? Did, were people using the, the word dongle before iPhones, and, like, did people need dongles before, you know, the modern electronic uh, age i will uh, i will google search the etymology of dongle please do uh at the end of this email six the formula one season's penultimate race was sunday the inaugural saudi arabian grand prix in Jeddah. the street circuit is fast long narrow and features many blind corners taken at higher than average speeds and little runoff space before the race began there were hints that even minor mistakes might lead to shunts and even race delays and or stoppages indeed as the race began, championship protagonists Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, who have seven and zero world championships respectively, started from positions one and three due to a last lap qualifying mistake by Verstappen. Due to the incredible engineering in Formula One, despite two red flags and five race delays, no one was injured despite several incidents. However, the two title contenders collided mid-race in an odd circumstance where Verstappen had illegally overtaken Hamilton and was ordered to give the position back. After the race, which Lewis won in front of Max and P2, that's second place for Beckham, both position two, both were summoned to the stewards. Max was penalized 10 seconds for being, quote, mostly at fault for the collision, which did not change his final position. However, just like a routine traffic ticket for us mortals, he gets points, too, in this instance, on his racing super license. If a driver gets to 12 points in a year, he gets banned from a race, although collected points expire after a year. Super so points license. on his super license. Okay. While Mercedes have a lead over Red Bull entering next weekend's final race, Max and Lewis are equal on points. A keen viewer, as Dr. Siegel notes, will recall that the team standings determine the prize money awarded at season's end. He's including footnotes now in his, uh, in his enumerated emails, which is impressive. Max and Lewis are on equal points. Max has won more races than Lewis, which would be a tiebreaker if they end up level on points. However, if both teams have both of their cars finish in the points, then the driver's championship will be decided on the track by who finishes higher, Max or Lewis. Penalty kicks would be nice, Rebecca, don't you think? <laughs> or how about the college football playoff? Well, you know, the, the cars that push the giant inflatable soccer balls around. You've seen that. I think so, yeah. Truck soccer. The team championship is likely to go to Mercedes, but that outcome depends on the results as well. Drama awaits. Seven, and lastly, Thanksgiving deliveries. Over the years, I've generally volunteered for Christmas duty, which means I almost always have Wednesday through Sunday of Thanksgiving away from work. Thus, Rebecca, the only deliveries that I did over the holiday weekend were my children and grandchildren between home and Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. This past weekend, however, from Friday afternoon until Tuesday morning, the count is two girls, one repeat C-section, one vaginal delivery, and several outpatient visits. Bonus, no action at all between 12 a.m. and 6 a.m. Very lucky. Well, Rebecca, all of our children, all of them were born between 12 a.m. and, and 8.01 a.m. That's right. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Your humble servant, Gary with two R's and a and a dongle enclosed. And um, Rebecca, you've, you've spent time at Hartfield-Jackson Airport both yesterday Mm -hmm. Twice, I believe, yesterday. Twice yesterday. Changing yeah. on the way down to South Carolina, changing on the way back. Mm -hmm. And you will be in Atlanta for Georgia Tech uh, UConn on Thursday. I will. You'll be you'll be dining with Dr. Siegel, I take it? I don't think I'll be dining with Dr. Siegel because I've got I land in land late the night before the game and then the day of the game I'll be working. And also he has babies to deliver. And he has no interest in dining with me. Having said that. And on that note, yes, 
Thank you, Dr. Siegel, as always. Thank you, Denny Gallagher. Thank you to all, all of the viewers, and um, I think that's time. I've, we've overstayed our welcome. I promised a short one, and we've given them a long one. So uh, let's get Dick out of here. Hari, play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous while we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane